What, one of the most nerve wracking things I ever had to do, Dan, was I had to give a commencement speech in front of a thousand graduates. And I've never done a commencement speech at a college ceremony. Mm-hmm. So I created this amazing speech. I'm gonna, I, was ama- I show up and I realize a commencement speech has nothing to do about you, but everything it has to do about the graduating class. So I literally had to scrap my entire presentation and on the fly figure out what do I say for this class? Because now I'm following the poet laureate of our, t- of our city was like, and he was also a professor and he was amazing. And he's, he would scream, you know, class of whatever is 2015. Let me hear you. And they go, yeah. So I'm like, all right, this is more of a rah-rah thing. Um, I was able to give a really great story, highlight them. And within 10 minutes, I was done. And I, the best compliment I, gave, I got was from the um, poet laureate. This guy was phenomenal. He goes, you're really good. You do this often, don't you? Now, at the time, that was my first ever commencement speech. But um, the more situations you could put yourself in that you're uncomfortable, but that you're willing to figure out, the, the more you build up that muscle and the better you get. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, Dan Moyle. Thank you for listening to the Storytellers Network podcast. I'm Dan Moyle. I'm your host. And story is a big part of my life. Uh, I love it professionally, personally. I'm a huge reader and content consumer. I love story and I love story through podcasts, which is why my guest today is such a pleasure to have on. Uh, But first of all, real quick, before we get to that, his, his introduction. Uh, I want to remind you that the storytellersnetwork.com is where everything is for you. Previous episodes, resources to go to to tell a better story, and contact information for me if you want to hit me up and uh, ask a question, tell me something, share your story, whatever that is. Just go to the storytellersnetwork.com. Now, today's guest, Chris Kremitzis, uh, is the, the founder of PodFest, which is an amazing event down in Florida. He is a storyteller himself. He is, is behind the scenes in this documentary called The Messengers, A History of Podcasting. Absolutely great guy, uh, and, and as again, definitely a storyteller. From the stage to events to helping businesses do what we do in marketing and this kind of thing. I mean, he is an incredible community manager, really, but he's a community builder uh, even more so. So uh, Chris Kermitsis is joining me today on the Storytellers Network. I'm very excited to get to Chris's stories. Here we go. Hey, thanks for taking time today, Chris, to uh, have a conversation about storytelling, man. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan. I'm glad to be on it. So in your intro, I, I talked a little bit about PodFest. Um, you're coming off that high right now of that huge event, other success, it sounds like. How important is storytelling when it comes to getting the word out about your, your big event? Well, it's really important for me to tell people kind of what PodFest is about, why it's community driven. I tell them the stories of some of our attendees. And the stories travel outside themselves. And what happens is the people I share the stories with, if someone will give me time and I could, I could really tell them kind of the ethos of our community, 
they bring back other people via that story and it's really helped us grow over time. So we've pretty much almost doubled year over year to where this past year we just about hit a thousand attendees and it's, um, it's all from telling great stories and sharing great stories uh, with my attendees, my speakers, my exhibitors, but also delivering on, on those stories as well. So, so you, you're a, a storyteller yourself. I, I know, at least I think you are anyway. Um, but podcasts are a lot of stories too. So what's it like being surrounded by all these storytellers each year? I mean, is that, I imagine it has to be incredible. What's it like for you? Uh, I love being around people, you know, telling a good story is not an easy thing. There's a, a, not a lot of people could do it unless they have a lot of practice and it's something, a skill you've, I've learned and I've cultivated. Um, but it's amazing to hear stories. And, and honestly, I have a, I have a really good, uh, track record of finding great speakers because as you you said a lot of podcasters tell are really good at telling stories so i'm able to find some really great people i could get a point across uh as educators because of the community but stories are you know stories and telling stories is just not an easy task but uh one of the, our attendees um lou Mangello, he interviewed kevin feige are you familiar with kevin feige Dan? yeah absolutely the C, he's the, the creator of the Marvel Universe. He's like the main producer guy of the studio. Yeah. Kevin Feige is the number one producer in Hollywood in history when it comes to box office. I believe his movies have generated over $15 billion in less than 10 years' time. He was, when he was creating Iron Man, what a lot of people forget is no one wanted to bank on Robert Downey Jr. because he had a drug habit. He had come, he was recovering. He was recovering. And Kevin Feige had to go to Europe to get people to give him money to create the movie. And they had to have bonds if they didn't finish the movie on time. And he had John Favreau, who had done Elf uh, as the director, but he wasn't proven when it came to like this superhero storytelling. Yeah. And I remember Kevin Feige um, sharing the story with Lou Mangiello, who has WDW radio. And he said to Lou, he said, I would listen to your podcast when I would go into the studio hoping it would help me put me in a better uh, position and outlook as we were producing Iron Man. Now they didn't know if Iron Man was going to be a blockbuster or a total flop. And luckily for them, Iron Man, I think uh, made over $600 million and it literally funded the entire Marvel universe and studio. But if he didn't have a podcaster, uh, Lou Mangiello telling stories about Disney and Disney world and the whole uh, world of Disney, Kevin Feige, wouldn't have been able to tell some of the greatest stories on earth, you know, created by Stan Lee and so many other people. So that's kind of being around storytellers. That's, that's the amazing part that we inspire each other. And, and what I find incredible, and, and I've been to PodFest a couple of times now and a uh, great event, great people there. What I love about it is that independent podcaster, the independent storyteller, I mean, there are big names, but we're also independent storytellers and it's such a great community. H- how do you build that community over time? How did you do it? So I had a local meetup that I, I would host and I, I did events for a lot of business people. So I would find, I helped a lot of people get started with podcasting like hundreds. And then when we did the first podcast, I met Glenn, the geek, he saw a Facebook ad and he came out. Glenn, the geek owns the horse radio network. He has done over 6,000 episodes. So it's like, wow. So now we got someone that's been doing it for a while. And then that momentum kind of snowballed on itself. And I've been traveling now for the last two years to different conferences all around the country and I, I can't tell you, I've met people in so many diverse niches in so many places. It's just been, it's been a real pleasure and an honor to uh, find all these amazing storytellers all over the country. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and, and you put on great events. Um, where does that 
come from? I mean, you got experience obviously before the event. How did you kind of build that repertoire and understand what made a great event? Well, there's three factors to a great event. One, people show up because of the education. They then keep coming back because of the community. And the third thing is just having a really nice venue, you know, good food, logistical support and logistical needs. So if you're able to do those three things and get the right people in the room, of course, you uh, could really build on it over time. So uh, because of our slow uh, methodology of growth, we grew and retained, but now we're in the process where we'll double every year. So we have a good shot next year to have 2000 attendees, but guess what? They're the friends of the attendees that showed up this year. So the community keeps growing. Uh, One of the coolest stories, Dan, was um, my wife's relative was having anxiety attacks. And this relative shared with her that he found a podcast that helped him get off his anxiety meds. And that podcast was a guy named Drew Ackerman Sleep With Me, which helps people go to sleep. I reached out to Drew before one of the podcasts saying, hey, man, thank you for helping, you know, our relative. I'd love to know if you'd like to come out to PodFest. And literally, he flew from San Francisco to Orlando to be part of PodFest. And that relationship has since blossomed. And Drew has helped tell other people he's been a very active part of our community. So it's been amazing to watch. So it sounds like as you're building your community, whatever that is, as a storyteller or whatever, it's just simply being human and connecting. Is that what draws people together? Yeah, connecting and, and owning up to what you say. You know, when I promise people certain things, pretty much uh, I'm delivering on that promise. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's all about um, small commitments that add up to big commitments. So you got to honor your word, try and stay in integrity, and uh, you build on those uh, commitments. Absolutely. What, Chris, when did you discover that you had this knack for storytelling and could turn it into something for your life? Well, years ago, I had um, I had an opportunity where a friend of mine said, hey, my my morning, I forgot what it was called, but let's call it the warm-up speaker, canceled uh, before the main keynote. And he said, can you talk about this whole thing you do? I was doing this process in real estate. He goes, are you good? I go, I think so. He goes, have you ever spoken before? I go, no, I've never spoken before. And he was going to have 140 people in the room. And he goes... Uh, he was nervous. So he's like, I got you someone else to be up there with you. But then I, I spoke and I was able to hold uh, for 45 minutes the attention of 140 people. And I realized I had a gift when the main keynote showed up, half the people left because they felt fulfilled with what I was able to deliver. And that guy had flown in from California. Wow. So I, I didn't know, I, I thought I did good, but the feedback when my promoter friend said, you realize everybody left, after, a lot of them left because you were so good. They didn't want to see the other guy. And um, I thought that was pretty cool. And then I developed that gift over time by doing events and being in front of people and sharing pieces of my life. Um, I get a lot that uh, people find that I'm authentic. And I guess that's part of telling the truth is a big deal for me. Yeah, absolutely. Where, where do you go to, to get filled then when it comes to improvement and inspiration? Where do you, where do you go for that kind of stuff? I personally will uh, always review my past performances and then I'll, I'll make notes. And then, you know, when we put out feedback forms, people always give you feedback whether you want it or not. So <laughs> then I read the feedback and I, you have to have a, a filter of like some of it is their noise, but others is very constructive and very solid. So then I implement that feedback when I feel it's valid. I, I make sure I do a good job of implementing that for future events. Yeah. So as, as a, as a storyteller, uh, but also as just an, an event person and, a, and a, a public person, how do you develop 
that thick skin to be able to take that feedback? I mean, it's great to be able to improve, but what do you tell yourself to be able to take that kind of feedback? You have to recognize when people are just crapping on someone, they want to be a troll. And when someone genuinely cares and is offering feedback because they want you to be better. And a lot of times it's written in the tone of how it's written. Um, and you have to understand if someone cares, uh, you kind of build an internal monologue or voice of, of what you think is good, what not, is not good. And honestly, the people that care nine times out of 10, the feedback's pretty good, but you also need to know their background. If someone's never been to an event and now they're giving you feedback, but they don't have anything to compare it to, you, you got to take that with a grain of salt. So for me, if I have someone in my audience that I know goes to events or is very, um, uh, very integrated into the community, I will pay attention to their uh, feedback because I know that they care because they want to help make the community better or stronger, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, so obviously PodFest is all about uh, podcasts and that's, you know, where, where we've connected is through podcasts. Uh, I love the idea of podcasts of having conversations of sharing stories, this kind of thing. What about podcasts is so powerful, do you think, when it comes to connecting with people and stories and stuff? Well, people that do podcasts are compelled for a reason. I think it's they want to share a message with other human beings. So by and large, podcasters are messengers. And I think that binds them together because the common purpose of many of these podcasters are to make a difference in the world. And I think that's the thread that binds them all together. So you have podcasters from all walks of life, different diversity levels, uh, ages, colors, sexes, at the end of the day, they all want to put out a message to help another human being. And that's, I think, the, the bond that ties most of them. Yeah, that makes sense. And speaking of messengers, that's the title of the documentary about uh, podcasting and everything um, that, that you helped produce, right? Um, so it's a documentary. It's a great movie. I, I learned a ton when I got into the podcast world. I watched that. Uh, tell me a little bit about that experience. What was that like helping to put together a documentary about something that you love like that? So making a movie compared to producing a podcast, a whole different level of commitment. And uh, it was a crew of us that we had to make it. Uh, we traveled the country. It took about a year. Uh, it, it was an intense commitment. So the messengers of podcast documentary is up on Amazon Kindle, uh, not Kindle, Amazon prime. It just, uh, I would definitely recommend it if you have extra time and extra money. I don't recommend it. If you think you're going to hit it big, not saying that you're not, it's just there's a lot of factors in play with the movie and you're, you're literally competing against Hollywood when you put something out. But for us, it was a labor of love because I was getting tired of people asking me, I don't see what podcasting is. You know, five years ago, I would get this all the time. I don't understand the word. I don't see what you're talking about. So we made a visual representation so that I could say to them, hey, go to Amazon, watch this movie, then tell me if you see it. And they'd be like, oh my God, I get it. I, I understand now. Thank you so much. Yeah. And the movie has helped thousands of people kind of open their eyes to podcasting. Absolutely. And it's, what's interesting is, you know, for me, I understand that I am not like, like I understand that I am new to podcasting. I've been podcasting myself for about a year and a half now, and I've known about them for a while, but to go back and look at the history of it, man, it's incredible. And then again, PodFest, you bring people in to this world together that have been around forever with us newbies, these grand, you know, these godfathers, the, you know, Dave Jackson's of the world or whatever, the Glenn, the geeks of the world. Um, how, I guess, I guess I don't know if I have a question necessarily. It's just, that's an incredible thing. Tell me what that's like to be able to be a part of that history. I, I love being a part of the founding of a podcasting. Now I didn't start when they did. I started a few years in, mm -hmm. but it's uh, it's a really amazing medium that just 
only started like 14 or 15 years ago at this point. And uh, everybody, a lot of them still know each other. There's a lot of people still loyal to the medium of audio on demand delivered through, you know, podcasts. Uh, it's just really cool to watch that. And the one thing I don't ever want our veterans to forget is what it was like to start up. And that's why we're really big on making sure our beginners and startups have all the resources they need because they're the next voices of our community and we need to help them. And that's what's so cool. You see Dave Jackson helping the next generation, Glenn the Geeks. Uh, it's just really cool to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so Chris, what do you love about storytelling as part of what you do? What, what moves you about stories? Well, you know, I love a story with the beginning, middle and end. Um, and I love that it could uh, get people to see a different viewpoint or see a lesson without having to point it out mm. because it's already embedded in the story. Uh, you know, a great story is something you tell and then you don't have to tell the lesson or story. It's already embedded in the story. And that's why people learn from stories. That's why, you know, the Bible, people are still reading these ancient stories and there's lessons embedded in them. So it's just... Um, just very it's the most powerful form of communication and it's how we as human beings have told stories and passed it down for you know generations yeah and, and what do you see as one of the challenges then as a storyteller in 20, 2019 right now as we're recording what's one of the biggest challenges you face as a storyteller? well the, the biggest challenge is you need to have a niche you need to have an audience you need to have a focal point you need to understand marketing so a lot of times, you know, some people just want to talk into a mic and put it out there, but you need to have some strategy behind it. And if you want to empower and, and reach an audience, you got to do a little bit of research. You got to look at your keywords, you know, you got to do uh, some strategy work. So that way you could reach an audience. So there's some technical side to storytelling then it's not just spewing information or telling a, an anecdote necessarily. It's, it's, there's some technical side to it then, huh? There's always technical side to everything. Yeah. So there's a, the marketing side, the business side to it. If you're looking to reach an audience, you got to do a little bit of research and, and, you know, see how you could get the message out. Yeah. Um, so when you're getting ready to go tell the story of PodFest and you're ready to, whether it's create content, go on a podcast, go out to events, whatever, where does that inspiration come from to, to tell better stories? For me, I want to connect people. So I love connecting people. When I was a child, uh, I was raised by a Greek family. My parents are from Greece. and But my next door neighbor was a New York City firefighter, and he was Italian. And he would take us on Slurpee runs to 7-Eleven. But when we would be in his car, he would have a pager in his car. And if anyone was in trouble, he would race to their house and help them. Uh, technically, before the fire department even showed up, because we were in the suburbs, he memorized every street. He knew every number within uh, two towns. And, uh, you know, when you're attached to someone that is giving and helping, I guess for me, it was kind of like modeling behavior. That's what I saw. So it's ingrained in me. I don't, other people might look at it as work. I look at it as a way of being. So um, that's just how I grew up. That's how I, you know, the Greek community helped each other. And at the same time, I had an Italian neighbor that all he did was help people. So it was uh, in, ingrained in me 24-7 growing up as a child. Yeah, sure. And it, and it seems like I picked up on what you said earlier about it. Story is kind of ingrained in, in all of us in some way. We, we tell stories to connect and we learn from you know, either the Bible or other places. Um, but it seems like some cultures tell, they just tell better stories. Uh, is that, I mean, gosh, the Greek family and the Italian family next door, that had to have been a, a treasure trove of stories, I would guess, huh? 
It was, and when you're around colorful characters, which my cousins were, there's always great stories. And, you know, some people grow up um, where they don't have, you know, your cousins talking about police chases and stuff. So we always had great stories being told of, you know, we always had, and it, it is, it's kind of funny, but it's uh, always loved sitting down at Thanksgiving. And I, I literally, you'd be surprised. I wouldn't say a word. My cousins would all one up each other with their stories. And we knew the one cousin that would embellish and lie, but the other ones, all their stories were true. I mean, it's like yeah. the craziest stories that they would tell. And it, it was always fun to listen. Did you, did you kind of know back then that the story would play a part in your professional life then? Or were you just kind of enjoying it? I knew as a kid, I would be someone that programs content because I would watch the TV and wonder why they were programming certain shows against certain shows. So it doesn't surprise me that I'm really good at programming hundreds of speakers over three days. Yeah. Um, w w the fact that I was a great orator, the only thing I remember as a kid, I'd walk sunset and I would always play out things. So I would talk out loud. So I believe that ingrained I would always think of an audience, so it, it lended well, but I never knew I would have the opportunity to speak in public, and then that would open all these doors. So it's, um, I've been very blessed to have amazing people around me and to have been able to develop a gift that I developed as a child unknowingly just by talking to myself on walks by myself, you know. Yeah, absolutely. What I find interesting is, um, you know, I, I've considered myself a writer for a long time, so I, I guess I'm a storyteller. Um, and, but not everybody gets to be a paid writer. So for those out there, for any, any listener that says, man, I think I'm a storyteller. You don't have to be, you know, the, the title of storyteller. What you do, Chris, is put on events, but then you tell stories and you bring storytellers together. Um, so it's all kind of part of your life, I guess, huh? Yeah, when I was running the, the most recent podcast, I remember during our strategic alliance, it's a networking where everybody networks. I told the story of how my wife and I, um, basically got the results for our second child, the birth of the sex, but they were sealed. And we drove up to Savannah, Georgia to visit Jesse Cole of the Savannah Bananas. He owns a college ball team. And my wife said, don't you think it's a little presumptuous of us to give him the results of the test? I said, no, if he's a promoter like me, he'll love the honor of unveiling the gender of the baby in front of his audience. I gave him the envelope and he's like, oh, you guys know. We were like, no, we don't know. You're going to tell us. He's like, oh, he was so excited. <laughs> and then he literally later on that day, he arranged for us to uh, do, we ran around the bases and then the, all the t uh, players were waiting for us at home plate and they lifted up their shirts and pink balloons came out. <laughs> and that video was then up on Facebook and we had over 10,000 people watch it. It was really amazing of us just doing our gender reveal. So I shared the story. I showed the story, we had the video, I showed it to the, the audience. And then I told them how on December 3rd, my wife went into what's called precipitous labor. Uh, most people don't know what that means, but I, I explain it to everybody. It means that at 9.39, my wife's water broke. And at 9.59 a.m., 20 minutes later, the baby was born in the house. I had 911 on the phone and we didn't have time to leave the house. And the baby uh, was born right then and there between my mother-in-law and I, we delivered the baby. And her name is Savannah Lynn Kermitsos in honor of the Savannah Bananas and Linda, my uh, mother-in-law's uh, name, Savannah Lynn. I told him this amazing story and I said, tomorrow you're going to see a guy that's going to be wearing a yellow suit. I hope he does anyways. That's Jesse Cole. Make sure to go say hello. Well, when Jesse showed up the next day, I cannot tell you how many people came up to him. I'm, I'm talking about hundreds throughout the whole event. And he sent me this beautiful card telling me, it was the most welcoming and invited he's ever 
experience at any event that he's ever attended. And for me, hearing that from an, another man that loves to create, um, you know, a promotion or a, a, a sense of place, that was uh, probably the highest praise I could get uh, as a, uh, a facilitator of an event slash community. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, I mean, to talk about another storyteller, Jesse is, is amazing. I, I, I was one of those viewers of that, of that gender reveal. That was a lot of fun. Um, and just knowing him is incredible. Um, so when it comes to stories today, you know, whether it's, whether if you're at that strategic networking event, um, or whether it's out in the world, how, how do you get your story out today with this really noisy landscape? I mean, what do you suggest to people? especially new podcasters maybe or whatever. You know, uh, one of the ways to really practice your story is look for opportunities to speak. And I would say like there's things called Ignite, which are five minute presentations all throughout the country. Uh, TED Talks, you know, TEDx, uh, they allow you to tell stories in short format. Uh, And then, you know, a podcast is where you'd put it on, but I, I would join maybe a Toastmasters. You know, you want places where you could practice telling your story so you could get better. And the more practice you have, the better you'll get. Uh, but having a podcast to share your stories with is very powerful. It just, if you don't have a strategy behind it, you're just uh, speaking into the wind. But if you could go in front of a live audience, that's how you know if you're hitting a mark. I, I mean, I'm at the point now, I know while I'm saying something, how it's landing in the room. So it just, it comes with experience. And uh, what, one of the most nerve wracking things I ever had to do, Dan, was I had to give a commencement speech in front of a thousand graduates. And I've never done a commencement speech at a college ceremony. Mm-hmm. So I created this amazing speech. I'm going to, I was amazed. I show up and I realize a commencement speech has nothing to do about you, but everything it has to do about the graduating class. So I literally had to scrap my entire presentation and on the fly figure out what do I say for this class? Cause now I'm following the poet laureate of our, t- of our city was like, and he was also a professor and he was amazing. And he's, he would scream, you know, class of whatever is, 2015 let me hear you and they go yeah so i'm like all right this is more of a rah-rah thing um i was able to give a really great story highlight them and within 10 minutes i was done and i the best compliment i gave i got was from the uh, poet laureate this guy was phenomenal he goes you're really good you do this often don't you now at the time that was my first ever commencement speech but um the more situations you could put yourself in that you're uncomfortable, but that you're willing to figure out the, the more you build up that muscle and the better you get. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great piece of advice right there. I want to hang on it. Get out of your comfort zone and challenge yourself. Right. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of speakers that speak for like an hour or a half hour, I'll get this feedback. Oh, I need more time. And I'll tell them, you know, Ted talks are 18 minutes and these people change the world, you know? So they're like, it makes them think, you give me the excuse why you can't finish your job in, let's say I, I give 30 minutes. I, I want more time. So they're creating excuses that they need more time to make an impact. I look at it as you give me five minutes, you give me 10 minutes, you give me three minutes. I'm going to make an impact in that time. And it's a different mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's why I build up, that's why I build up friendships wherever I go. So I'll go to DC Podfest. You may only have three minutes and that three minutes I'll make an impact in the room. That's my job. Yeah. Um, so, so you have to own your story, you have to know your story and, and kind of pick out different ways to tell it then, I guess, huh? Different like lengths of time. Yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you like, um, let's just say, I don't know, promoter promised you a whole slew of time, but now they're like, I can only give you five minutes before lunch. It could happen sometimes. I've, I've had that. Um, friends of mine, you know, they're like, oh yeah, come on down. We'll give you, then they're running late. So what I do is I take my notes app on my phone 
and I will immediately, let's say recently I was in Sarasota, my buddy's like, I'll give you five minutes. And they have a timer. So when they say five minutes, it's five minutes. Right? <laughs> so I took the note app. I read the audience. I'm like, all right, I'm going to give them three tips on podcasting. So here's a tip. If you don't want to create a podcast, be a guest on a podcast, right? You know that tip. Uh, second tip. Um, why should you be podcasting? Cause it's searchable, right? Third tip. Uh, what are the benefits? I could be an industry expert. So all of a sudden I get up there. Hey, I want to give you three really great reasons why you should podcast three things I think would be a value add. Now I go through my three at the end. If you'd like to learn more, I have a table in the back, come to register. And then I'll have a friend pass a board. It was like, guys, if you'd like to get our weekly emails, make sure to register. I'll get you on our email list. I'm going to walk out. If there's a hundred people in the room with 50, 60 of the emails, uh, and I only had five emails. I mean, I literally will, anyone that's interested, I'll grab their information and I'll make sure that there's an opportunity for them to give it to me, uh, for me to do that. Or I'll give away something for their business cards. But I tell them up front, you're going to get an email from me every week, once a week, consistently. And they're happy to get that email. I don't shy away from the, that, because uh, I, I look at what I do as a public service, educating and helping open up people to the world of podcasting. Oh, absolutely. Do you think that email is the, the most powerful tool that we have right now for building an well, audience? Yeah, email is, and then you have, you know, you could retarget those emails on Facebook ads. So that's where you would start. Uh, so email hasn't lost its luster, just people aren't opening up as much. So you want to have other ways you could target people as you're building up your social platforms with emails, the one that you own 100%. And, and as people aren't opening, you've got to be more creative and, and uh, laser focused on things like your subject line, I guess, huh? Well, yeah, what we do now is once a week, we have an uh, informational email about the industry. So people love that. So you just got to, yeah, you got to figure out what your value add is. Yeah. Um, so how do you think, so we just kind of touched on building your social platforms. How have you seen social media impact the world of story and the world of podcasting over the last few years? Well, social media, you got to be truthful. Look at Brian Williams. He told a story that wasn't true. <laughs> so you get called out. So yeah. that's one. And then, uh, you know, unfortunately it has a positive and negative impact. You got trolls that will attack people when they're being honest sometimes. So, you know, the, the, what I love about podcasts, it's long form content. In other words, it has a beginning, middle and end. And most people, when they subscribe to a podcast, listen to the entire thing. So it allows you to develop long thoughts. You know, Joe Rogan, his average podcast is two to three hours. Yeah. Well, in that time, he's able to explore things that other mediums don't allow you to explore. And that's why he's the most popular show right now in America. You know, one of, um, I think people are losing the dumbing down, I, you know, will always happen because it's easy little sound bites, reality shows, but they're hungry for something real. They're hungry for the Tim Ferriss hour. They're hungry for whoever you are with really good content for that audience. So I would put it out there and, and see what they want and learn and, and, you know, adjust. Now you mentioned Joe and, and Tim, a couple of the major, major podcasters out there in the world. Um, obviously NPR is getting into it or has already gotten into it. Several other, other artists, right? Is there, a, I mean, what do you tell somebody just getting into it? That's maybe afraid of that. Or am I going to be able to be that? What's your advice for those early podcasters in this world right now? Honestly, there's so many, uh, I, there's two ways to look at the world. You could look at it as it's crowded. There's not enough opportunities. You could look at it as abundant and there's so many opportunities and that's kind of where I usually look at, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't have a chance to do a podcast. You know why? Because YouTube and podcasting were not out there. So you needed to get an agent. You needed to go get representation. And if you were lucky, you might be able to get on a low watt radio station where they didn't pay you any money 
uh, or very little, right? Like 10, 15 grand a year. Um, And even back then it was nothing. So now the opportunity is anyone has access and greatness can succeed and mediocrity could also, uh, I don't know, succeed, but it could also uh, be out there. So it depends how much work you want to put into it. The cool thing is we all have access. Uh, we have access, you know, back in the day, there used to be public access where you have access on the cable channel. I was part of that. But now everybody has access and you have access from your laptop, from your car, from your home, wherever you want. So that's that's creating a really special um, dynamic where everybody has a voice and you just got to figure out what topic or subject matter you will be known for. And if you could grow past your niche, you could expand to other niches. But in the beginning, you should start with a niche. That's great advice. Start with a niche and, and just plug away, have a strategy. That's all good stuff, Chris. So I, I see you as a, as a guy who's kind of gotten to a point in life where you've, you've made it, so to speak. I mean, you're speaking around the country. You run this event that's growing every year. You have this documentary out. So while you're, you haven't made it to the point of, let's say, retirement or, or doing nothing anymore, you've, you've really made it to a, a great level. Have you seen milestones in your life that you've looked at and gone, man, this is really incredible? Not really at this point because I'm just in it, if that makes sense. So I, I just, I love what I'm doing. I want to expand what I'm doing, help more people. Um, I don't know if I'll ever like retire, if that makes sense. Uh, sure. And I'm in the prime of my life. So you're right. Like I've, I've done 2000 events, but now I built a nice plateau where I'm like launching things uh, with ease. Not because I haven't put the time in because I built this base of people. And if I need help, like I have connections for all kinds of stuff. So um, the community takes care of me because I took care of the community for so long. So um, I'm just in the prime of my life getting things going. So I'm just excited. And my two girls are, you know, what I live for my beautiful wife. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful family. Um, How did you get to this point then where you are at that, that level to be able to teach others to give back so much, you know, can you look back on, on the journey so far and thought that's where it changed for me? Now, I'll share with you a story that I think will exemplify what you're asking. For five years, I did a meetup every night of the week, Monday through Friday, for five straight years. One day, it was some kind of holiday. I forgot, you know, and I I didn't have anything to do at the office. So I came home at five o'clock. It was beautiful. You know, I live in Florida, so it was beautiful out. The sun was out. And I see all these people walking out on the street. And I said, I thought to myself, like, this is really weird. What the heck are these people doing walking out on the street? And like, they're, they're so weird. And then I realized like, no, normal people come home at five o'clock and they walk their dogs. To me, it was so foreign that anyone would be outside walking their dogs at five o'clock because I hadn't come home for five straight years, no sooner than 9 p.m. because I was working every day of the week. So that, that'll give you an example of like the hours I put in. So when I say I've done 2000 events, you have to understand like, that's like, there was years where I did 200 events a year. Every night of the week, there was an event I, I did. So I had, I had a lunch event on Mondays. I had a nighttime event on Tuesdays. Wednesdays, I had educational events. Thursdays, I had another meetup I would do. And then Fridays, I had a men's think tank helping men through their relationships. So we would help men get into relationships, sustain relationships, or exit out of unhealthy relationships. And we would only help them and not blame the third party that was not present in the room. So I even could tell you the structure of the meeting because we helped hundreds of men through there. So all I've done is, all I've ever wanted to do is help people. So that's what I've done. 
now it's now I found this amazing thing called podcasting. I was able to catch the trend early. I understand where I was in the timeline and I built upon it. And now here we are, you know, a thousand attendees next year, hopefully 1500 to 2000. So it's pretty amazing. And, and it reminds me of the Zig Ziglar idea that you help enough people get what they want. You'll get what you want out of life. Yeah, that's, that's what, that's what I did, man. I, I still have two projectors in the back of my car screen. Uh, so when I'd go places, if they'd say, oh, we don't have a projector, great, I'll set up my own. No no complaining, no nothing. I'm here to make an impact. If I need a projector, I'm going to bring my own. I got extension cords. I'd set it up in any room and be ready to present. Yeah, what a great perspective. Great advice, Chris. This has been absolutely incredible. Um, before I get to my last question for you, uh, what's the best place for people to get in touch with you? How, how can people find you the easiest? Yeah, so me, chriskremitzos.com. Chris is C-H-R-I-S and Kremitzos is with a K. If you try and spell it on Google, they'll respell it for you. But that's my website, .com. Or you can find me on Facebook. Send me a DM. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty approachable. I do a lot of traveling and I do consult on different projects. But uh, if anyone ever needs help, you know, I will definitely respond. And, and definitely anybody listening that's interested in podcasts, go to PodFest. It's, first of all, it's in Orlando, which is awesome. Uh, just it's a beautiful place to be. And then as with Chris and all these people, it's, it's an incredible event. Thank you for putting that on for everybody, man. No, thanks for being part of it the last few years, Dan. It's, it's, yeah. it's been a real pleasure and we're, we're excited to grow it and, you know, help a lot of people. Absolutely. So let's, I'm going to get to this, this last question for you. If somebody said to you tomorrow, Chris, you're done being a storyteller. What would your last story be that you'd want to go out on as your like finale? Probably that I raised two amazing daughters and was a good husband. So really, at the end of the day, that's all that counts for me. All the other stuff is amazing stuff that keeps me busy, but um, that I was a good human being and that my daughters always strive for their personal best, but they understood that uh, life is to be enjoyed and to uh, be good to others. So that's kind of my that's really all I ever want, you know, so being with my daughters in the morning and when I get home at, after work is probably the highlight of my day. Yeah. So uh, almost a, a parable on being good and making an impact. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I used to ask a question like, Hey, what's your greatest achievement? And everybody would say their kids. So eventually I would say, this is when I was single. It's like, guys, you can't say your kids. You can't talk about religion. Not because I didn't want to just, that would be the, everybody would answer the same. So I'm like, we want to learn something about you. But then I had kids <laughs> and I realized <laughs> like, I can't, I can't stop crowing about my kids. So I'd be like, well, okay, my kids. And then I'll tell you after, but yeah, the kids are probably that. And the fact that I've created these amazing communities of people, I help each other. I think that's pretty awesome. It is. It is awesome. And again, not to like, you know, kiss up or anything else, man. And I can't, but I can't understate it. It really is a, a heck of a community that you and your team and everybody has built. So again, thank you for that, man. Appreciate you being uh, part of that and on the show and everything else. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me on the show. So once again, thank you, Chris Kremitzis. You can go visit him online. Those links are in the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with someone who might benefit from it. Uh, a fellow storyteller, marketing, sales, entrepreneur, business development, whatever, or just people to listen to stories. I love sharing these with people who aren't even in the industry necessarily. They get to hear, I think, great conversations. Fortunately, my guests are amazing because it's all them. So uh, there you go. So thanks for listening. I appreciate it very much. Go to the storytellersnetwork.com for past episodes, fantastic guests, uh, learn something, get inspired, and tell your story better. And until next time, Here's to telling our stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers. Thank you.